Hey friend, it's David Nabinski here in Brooklyn. Here at the Portfolio Career Podcast, we help you take ownership of your portfolio career and design a life that you want to live. This episode is a little bit different and a very special one to me. It was recorded on my birthday with some of my closest friends in an apartment in Brooklyn. These live podcast events are called Podcast Mixers where they're recorded in front of an audience that's interactive, people ask questions, and more. They're super fun. Um, A little bit of context. Since 2006, my birthday has represented a duality. It is a celebration of me being born, but is also the day my dad passed away. And my dad was my rock. After my dad passed, I became a different person, more responsible, more present, and more like the person that I am now than I was before. As such, I decided on the theme for this podcast mixer to become, to be about overcoming adversity. I wanted to hear stories from my close friends about how they overcame adversity in a way that helped shape them who they are today. You can learn more about this episode and the show on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can also subscribe to my Substack called Portfolio Career, which I send on every, two, every other Sunday, and my free podcasting course. I hope this episode sparks some something inside of you. Ideally, it helps you reach out to a friend, say hello to me, or whatever comes to mind. I'm really curious. Let me know. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go with Ben. All right. Uh, ben, thanks for uh, kicking this off. Um, would love to hear a story that comes to mind for you. I would love to kick this podcast off by hearing a big happy birthday for David Nabinsky. The man himself. And now we can get started. Okay. Okay. So the theme is overcoming adversity. Story's headline is how David Nabinsky taught me to be inflexible with what I want, my big goals, but flexible in how I get there. So five years ago, I'm taking a walk around 14th Street Union Square. So this guy, Nate Ginsburg, some of you might know him. And Nate is big into lifestyle design, lifestyle entrepreneurship. And he's like, Ben, you can't stay in New York anymore. My visa was up and I was pretty heartbroken. And he said, what if you tried being a digital nomad? What if you went to Bali? You can have a good income there. You can have a good life. I said, screw it. Why not? I'll give that a go. Still wanted to get back to New York. That's the big hill, right? So I go all the way to Bali, try that for eight, nine months, realize it's not for me and try and go and work for a company in New York, but it doesn't quite work out. Kind of get there, fall at the final hurdle. All right, fine. Lockdown happens, 2020. So I'm back home now, back in the UK, just doing my own thing. And I hop on a call, my immigration lawyer is called Paul. And I say to Paul, look, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, I really want to get back to New York. I've got the hustle, got the momentum. And he's like, you do, but you also don't really have a case. Like you're just a freelancer and respectfully, you kind of just need to like go another way and we can talk when you have a case. So I was pretty bummed. And so I'm still working 2020s going by and just like figuring this out, turn to 2021. And then one day, about two years ago, I get an email from David Nabinsky and he's like, my friends, Adam and Becker are building this company and they're looking for an advisor on their podcast and you do a podcast. You should talk to him. I'm like, why not? I'll take it. I'll take a call with anybody. And I chat to these two people, we immediately hit it off. And after a couple of calls, Adam's like, hey, we really like your vibe. We would love for you to consider to come and help us with our podcasts. And I said, well, where would this be? And they're like, well, 90% of our creators are in New York. I'm like, perfect. So I tell them, I'm like, hey, this is where I wanna be. And you guys have this amazing roster of talent here. You're gonna need someone to do this thing. And they're like, let's do it. 
And so I ended up moving back here a year ago, completing a four-year goal. And the reason that I'm here was because of that email. And so I was able to be pretty inflexible with what I wanted, but David helped me realize that the path to overcoming adversity sometimes might not be the one that you thought it was in your head when it first started out. And so here's to being flexible in how we get there and enjoying the journey along the way. Uh, you know, stay, stay, stay. Um, uh, <laughs> let's get into the good stuff. Um, so, um, what what was the hard part in that? I mean, that sounds that sounds kind of easy. <laughs> well, when you have to shrink four years into three minutes, it does. You do kind of get the highlight reels, but uh, I mean, the hard part was definitely getting a no from my lawyer initially, where. I was so set on this thing and he was ba he basically like made me feel like a kid. He's like, listen, kid, you don't really have a case. Like, let's talk when you have a real business. And so that was definitely a piece of it. It was like, all right, I have to basically go and do this for two years um, before we can talk. So, yeah, it took a lot longer than I thought it would. Mm, a lot longer. Okay. But now you're here. Now I'm here. And I get to see you serendipitously in the street, <laughs> wherever I go. I when I see David in McCarran Park in the mornings, I'll be out there on the track or dancing, and I'll just hear this, let's go! And it's, <laughs> and it's David in his pants going, yeah! <laughs> Number one hype man of Williamsburg right here. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, good thing that this is just audio. Um, Samani, you ready or? Yeah. Okay, okay. Hello. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we'd love to hear a story that comes to mind for you. So this is a story about David. Uh, no, <laughs> no, no. Uh, I wish I knew David long enough to have a story yeah. about adversity with you. Um, so I'm going to take you back to when I was 21. I took a year off from college with nothing planned because I wanted to get better with uncertainty and ambiguity because I had really never failed in my entire life. And I was like, I should probably learn this skill set. So took a year off and I'm going to take you to being in Berlin in Germany in the height of winter. I'm in a burlesque club with my friend who's visiting. And there is a naked Australian woman in front of me smearing chocolate all over herself. I did not know that this is the burlesque I was walking into. Um, and suddenly my phone starts buzzing. And I look at it and it says in my little Bank of America notification, someone has changed your online ID. Someone has changed your password. Um, I'm like, that is odd. Mind you, I have no credit cards at this time in my life because my parents told me credit card debt is bad. So I have one bank of one bank account, which is Bank of America. So I now go upstairs while this naked Australian woman is still smearing chocolate all over herself. And I fortunately have Skype credit when Skype was still a thing to be able to call America. I am on hold for two hours uh, and eventually get through to Bank of America while being shifted around three times. And then they eventually get me in and I get into my account and this person has wire transferred all my money out. So I am now in a foreign country with no access to funds while there is a naked Australian woman smearing chocolate all over herself. It is freezing cold. And I am also, mind you, 
kind of working illegally in Germany because my company does not get my visa in time. So they actually pay my then boyfriend a consulting fee who then <laughs> transferred the money back into me. Um, so fortunately, it's a fraud situation. So I can technically get the money back, but they won't send me a new debit card to Germany. I am stuck in this country for two more months. And I'm like, how do I survive? So I lived off, I convinced my company to actually pay me in cash and PayPal because you can <laughs> register your bank account. So I learned to live in Germany off of cash for two months while my account had been hacked. Then I moved to London. I got hacked again, but this time I was I was more prepared for it. So I was able to stop it. And then I came back to the States and got check fraud for the third time. So we don't bank with Bank of America anymore. <laughs> but that entire time, I also had to figure out, uh, I moved three different times in Berlin because my housing situation always fell apart. Um, I also didn't know how to make friends in a foreign country. And somehow, the one time I had a friend situation, it was a friend of a friend. It was a house mixer. Everyone was speaking German and uh, snorting. I don't know if it's crack or cocaine. I don't do drugs. Whichever one you snort. <laughs> and, and I'm like, where the f- fuck am I? And this woman comes to me. She's like, oh, do you want anything? Do you want any drinks? Do you want any drugs? I'm like, I'm okay. We're good. And so it's this really interesting moment of adversity of like, as somebody who has her life almost always together and always succeeding and suddenly being like, I don't know what to do right now. I need to ask for so much help and I am so lost and so confused but I will figure it out. And I did, like either getting jobs last minute or being okay with the fact that I had no friends for three months or asking a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend to stay at their home when I was like practically homeless to like trying to convince this company, like, can you pay me in cash? Cause I need to be able to pay with cards for certain situations or, or things like that. So when your back is against the wall, you kind of figure it out. And that was my year of figuring it out. Yeah. Um, how do you think like that experience still lives with you today? Nothing will be as difficult as that year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think is what I remind myself is like, I think a story I've mentioned also that year was uh, a very dramatic relationship mm-hmm. I also had. Um, the, the cliff notes is I dated a guy for one and a half years and he was married and had two kids and never told me. Oh, um, wow. And I <laughs> found out because the wife called me one day and said, hi, I'm the wife of nine years. We have two kids together. And he also faked the death of their brother and sister-in-law to become the custodian of their four kids. And that's how he got me to move out of his home in New York. So that's the cliff notes version. Um, so, <laughs> so that year, you know. <laughs> <laughs> No one's on the edge of their seat right no, now. No. <laughs> no one wants I, to hear more about yeah, that story. I'm like, I need more than three minutes for that adversity story. But that year um, between, I think I moved 27 different times in one year. I managed to get jobs like in 24 hours when I would quit something. I refused to go home because I didn't want to tell my parents like my plan didn't work. Um And, you know, obviously the man I had fallen crazy in love with was a lying, cheating scumbag. Um, My life will never be that bad. And I survived all of that. And I'm thriving. And so I think that's what I remind myself is anytime I have a shitty day today, it will never be that bad. And I survived that. Yeah. And you are thriving right now. (laughs) Tried. No, you are. Thanks, Mommy. Uh, Yash? Sure. Okay. 
What's up? <laughs> uh, you tell me. Um, what's um, what story comes to, to mind to you about uh, adversity? What's been a challenging or a tough time? Yeah, I feel like the classic story on adversity I always tell is about having a car accident and having my face reconstructed. But you also mentioned you want to get to know your friends a little bit better. So I'm trying to think of one that maybe you don't already know. And I don't know if you know this one or not, but so when I was younger, I did not have many friends. Many people who know me today think I was always extroverted and very loud. I'm still not that extroverted in my opinion, hot take, but uh, (laughs) definitely much louder. I had maybe seven friends in fourth grade, five of whom played chess. I was a competitive chess player. And uh, yeah, it doesn't track or does track, (laughs) but yeah. I mean, to give you that idea of my other friends, one was someone who I had play dates where we would read back to back the whole time, and the other one we would sit down and listen to Green Day on the bus. Uh, and then everyone else probably had no clue who I was. Uh, and so when you have you know, just so few friends or people that you connect with, I think you also connect very deeply with them, especially at a young age. Mm. And one of the hardest things I think I ever went through was watching one of those friends get brain cancer in fourth grade. And if anyone's ever had loved ones or friends with brain cancer, it is not a fast thing it is a very slow thing and I think not only is seeing someone you love go through something difficult already tough seeing them slowly wither away over the course of nine months is even tougher and I think I will never forget being in fifth grade the following year having my math teacher come into the library and say Yash I need to share some news with you 9 a.m. in the morning telling me that my friend Taylor had passed away in the hospital previously And I still don't think nine-year-old or 10-year-old Yash really knew how to reconcile that information. Uh, And so this isn't really a story about overcoming adversity, I would say, but I think that has shaped me in a lot of ways since. I played chess for a lot longer than I probably would have to kind of honor Taylor's memory. I think one of the most inspiring things about Taylor was that he always had a smile on his face until the very end. We watched him go bald from the chemo. He lost an eye. So that just started to kind of go blank and roll around. He got in a wheelchair the last three months of it, but he showed up to every single chess tournament the entire time, even when people told him not to. We ended up as a group of friends putting together the Taylor Fox Memorial Tournament, which still goes on in Virginia till this day. Um, and yeah, I think Taylor, more than anything else, has been an inspiration in my life since of no matter how hard your life gets or how hard things get, smiling and facing things with a light of positivity is really the best you can do. Mm-hmm. Because what else? Why else would you embrace a lot of other negativity if you could choose to try and smile at the things you enjoy, even when life seems like it's in its hardest moments? Yeah. Besides um, chess, um, is there anything else that you do to kind of think about Taylor? Or how else do you, yeah, how, how do you kind of like bring that to memory to like the positive things that you mentioned of him? But like, how do you like keep, doing the positive things and how else do you think that that Mm. you live that out that's a good question i think uh i think about taylor like sort of in cycles of increasing frequency and then decreasing frequency and i actually think about taylor probably the most when i'm going through hard times myself because i think we all go through very different versions of hard times right we go through losing family members or friends going through really tough breakups being alone uh And everyone has different responses to adversity, I think. And all those responses are natural. But it has always struck me 
even watching like my parents' friends, quite honestly, from a young age, respond to what I would consider far less dramatic things with far less emotional stability. It has always struck me how I think calm, playful, and mature Taylor was for he was what, 11 at the time. Uh, and it's been a solid reminder, like when I'm at my worst moments and I'm responding maybe a little bit emotionally, dramatically, to just think that life could be, life can always get a lot worse, I think. Yeah. And that even when life does get worse, it can be inspiring to others and also inspiring to yourself to choose the path of positivity, even if you have no reason to choose positivity. Yeah. To Taylor. To Taylor. Yeah. Um, does anybody else want to share? Yeah. Yeah. Step right up. Yeah. Thanks, pal. Of course. Happy birthday. Um, so I have, I have two quick stories. The, the first learning is that to get through moments of adversity, don't do it alone. Um, and don't feel like you're the only one going through adversity. There are others that are going through similar things that you're going through. So the, the, the story is, it was 2020 and, you know, the pandemic happened. So we ran an in-person events company and yeah, we, we traveled and met people in person. And so when the pandemic happened, the world ripped away the dinner table and our pasta sauce and our ability to see our clients in person and um, you know, all those, all those things that happened to the world. And so in that dark moment, we realized that other people were going through hard times as well and felt lonely and disconnected. And so we should start hosting virtual experiences to help people connect in meaningful ways. And even though we were hosting all these, we would host like a virtual gratitude experience, like every single night for the first three or four months of the pandemic with 50 to a hundred people coming just to connect and just have a meaningful moment of connection. And even though we were doing that, I still felt alone, disconnected and not able to see how we were going to somehow turn this into an actual business and what I was going to do next. And then I kept getting these emails from some dude and, <laughs> and he kept asking me these questions and the emails would start off with no need to respond. <laughs> and, then, and then the action step at the bottom would be highlighted in yellow. <laughs> so I had to respond. And there would of, oftentimes be a vidyard or a loom in the body of the email. And he kept asking all these questions to make me realize that there were more things that I could be doing. Mm to help get myself through this moment of adversity and to have a bigger impact on having, uh, helping other people get through their moments of adversity. And uh, what came through that was a partnership with David. And the first, uh, the first word we used to describe our relationship then was called sparring partners. And David held me accountable, held my like ass to the fire to make like outbound calls and emails and looms and texts to say to people, hey, we're focused on bringing people together through these dark times. Give us a chance. And that meant the world of connection to me. And I realized I didn't have to do it alone because I had David. And in turn, 
we were able to have a, a big impact on a lot of people together and I think carried that forth. And so the first learning is that to get through adversity, never do it alone. Always ask questions, stay curious and empathize with others. And then the second quick story, I actually learned, sorry, I have my mouse dry. Um, yeah, I just do that. Um, the second story I actually heard this morning, so it's like not organized at all, but I had this lady, this, this lady, she has a name, Christina, uh, drove uh, from Boston this morning to come on our podcast at 10 a.m., which meant she, she left at the crack of dawn. And her story is that a few months ago, she returned home from Italy with, uh, with her two daughters. And when she returned back from Italy, she kept feeling like she had a muscle, muscle spasm in her body. And she went to the doctors to get it checked out in Boston. And they referred her to, to Mass General. And they found out that she has cancer. Uh, she has bone marrow, uh, the, the, that type of cancer. I'm sorry, I don't know the name, but um, she had cancer. And so they, um, they said it was a, a very aggressive uh, version and that she needed to check into the hospital immediately. And while in the hospital undergoing treatments, she uh, ended up breaking her pelvis and learning how to yeah walk again and do the cancer treatments. And she said that one of the most meaningful moments of her hospital stay was that she would, uh, when she could finally get enough strength to actually get on a walker, she would take a lap of the hospital with her walker. And every time she passed by this one room, there was this woman who was further along in her cancer treatment and was literally on her last dying days. And uh, the woman never said anything to Christina as she was making her laps with her walker with her broken pelvis. And then one day, the woman just shouted out from her room, you go, girl. <laughs> and... Christina kept walking and she never saw the woman again. The woman passed away. And I think the learning in that is that, you know, comparison is the thief of joy and envy is the ulcer of the soul. And we all compare what we have to what other people have. And in that moment, that woman could have compared her lying in bed in her dying days to Christina who could walk and looked like she was going to survive. But instead, she said, you go, girl, and found joy in that. And there's an ancient Indian language named Pali, P-A-L-I. And there's a word named mudita. And mudita means to revel in the, to, to delight in the good fortune of others. And so through that moment of adversity that that woman was going through, she celebrated the success of some woman she's never met. And that woman stayed alive and she lives to tell the tale. And what I think is so unique about that story is that Christina never knew that woman's name and that woman never knew Christina's name. They were anonymous to each other. And so in order to get through adversity, we can not only give anonymous acts of mudita towards others, and we can open up our eyes to acknowledge the acts of mudita that people are giving back to us from people we know or people that we will never meet. But, uh, but yeah, they can have that kind of, that kind of impact. And uh, yeah, those are my two stories.
You go, girl. You go, girl. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's funny. The, um... So Christina showed up today. Uh, she showed up. Uh, I rented a WeWork room to do the podcast recording, but I had her park in front of our apartment on North 5th and in between Bedford and Driggs. And she showed up in this sexy black Porsche. And she gets out of the Porsche with 20 David Yerman bracelets on and uh and 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 her crutches not crutches crutches but the crutches that that look like you have something more serious than just like a, a sprained ankle and she was wearing high heels and later on in the day she would tell me that in her darkest hour i mean right after the cancer diagnosis and then she went home before the hospital visit um she went and got her nails done. And she said that, you know, in her darkest hours, as she's facing whatever is to come, uh, she's going to keep investing in the things that bring her joy, like getting her nails done and wearing high heels. And she's walking around Williamsburg with high heels and crutches, and it was a sight to see. And uh, it. it was a beautiful moment. Mm, so that was, yeah. yeah, thanks for letting me process it. Um, does anybody have a follow-up question to anybody who's spoken? Um, does anyone else feel, or does anyone feel called to share as well? Both of those answers can be no. Um, if you're really hungry, that's cool too. Um, yeah. No. <laughs> you know how this works. Yeah. Happy birthday, David. Thank you for those that shared. Uh, my question is, and David, you started asking Yash this, but I'd love to hear what activities or intentions you have in your life or intentions and then activities you practice or introduce to channel uh, these moments of adversity. And um, what do you do to remind yourself? <laughs> Uh, I'd be curious if anyone else who spoke also has answers to this, but I would say mine, I mean, ideally it would be something that I do consistently. The reality is it's been almost 20 years since that. There's things that I do better in sometimes and worse than others, but I think the things that I consistently come back to are writing and reading are both very important for me. Reading just as much as writing, because I think it actually broadens the horizon of what I can think about, broadens the world that I get to step into, the creativity that I get to embody. And I think writing has always been one of the most helpful processing vehicles I could have. Um, so those are two core things that I come back to. But I think just as important as processing vehicles, it's also really important for me to have things that I really enjoy doing. And for me, that's always been learning something new. Uh, I think one of the things that maybe ties back to the Taylor story is we were all like eight or nine years old. We weren't great at chess when we started, but we were all really big nerds. And so everyone got really good at chess really fast. Like even in that group of five kids, I think three of them went on to be like top 20 in the nation. Um, and Taylor probably would have gotten there if he had kept playing. Mm. And so I think something that I really, really remember from that time is that failure is such a beautiful step on the journey to getting really good at something. And I think the older we get, the easier it is to forget that because we're put in so many environments where the pressure to succeed is constant. You want to get things right on the first try. And when you fail, you think that's it. But the reality of life is that you get infinite tries to be 
as good as you want to be at whatever you want to be. So I pick something new every year to learn. Like this year, I learned how to DJ. Last year, I got really into squash. The year before that, I got really into badminton, racket sport themed for the last five years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, pickleball, yeah. So I try and remind myself every year because it's humbling to be really bad at something, but also very exciting to be on the journey of getting better. Awesome. All right, I think that that's, uh, that's it for the episode. Thanks, everybody. Hey, friend. Thank you for tuning in to this special episode of Portfolio Career Podcast. Would love to hear what you learned and what you enjoyed. Um, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever is best for you. And as a reminder... I'm just one email away as well. This episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which includes the best insights from the podcast and friend-sourced opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Thank you so much. 